0: Everyone has their own unique views and needs when it comes to financial success. If you'd like to leave your financial woes behind and live a life of financial freedom, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton. The show will help you with the ins and outs of money. We talk about financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars and keeping you up at night. We talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less. 401ks, risk management, retirement, and everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Now, here is your host of Saving with Steve, Steve Sexton.
1: Hello, welcome to the Saving with Steve show, where we talk about the ins and outs of money. Pretty much everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. Hey, my name is Steve Sexton. I want to thank you for joining us today. We have well over 600,000 listeners. We just added the BBS Radio Network, UK Health Radio. They're just outstanding. In fact, just in a very short period of time, we've added another 44,000 listeners. So we're very thankful or appreciate you sharing us with your friends and family. Today, we're definitely talking about money. It turns out 19% of Gen Zers, workers having participated in the cancel culture, either by canceling someone out or attempting to. Anybody, including you, can be a target. So how do you address this trend in the workplace in an effective way? Evan Neerman, the best selling author of Crisis Averted and the CEO of international crisis PR firm Red Banyan, is here to walk us through it. You don't want to miss this because if you're working or working with a group, you definitely want to understand how to deal with, especially what's going on. Now, we're also going to be talking about money tips for people in their 20s. Now, whether you're 55, 65, or 75, you might have kids or grandkids in their 20s. So think about this. We're gonna be going through that today. And on top of that, before the pandemic, American workers were already stressed to the tune of $190 billion annually in healthcare expenses. The World Health Organization has declared burnout a syndrome caused by unrelenting stress that never got handled. We've been living with COVID for more than a year now. We see the devastation in the news. Parents are worried for the children. People are working remotely more and more. We're seeing the great resignation because of this stress. Now, the reality is remote work can lead to overworked employees that sit on computers all day, never get outside for a healthy dose of vitamin D and suffer from loneliness. It's time to banish the burnout. We have Janice Lifton, the author of Banish Burnout Toolkit to help us go from stress to success right here with us right now. I want to welcome Janice Lifton here. Janice is on a mission to help leaders and teams banish burnout in their organizations so their employees can come to work healthy, happy, and ready to work. Wouldn't you just love that? I mean, just on a regular day. Janice, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm really excited that you're here.
2: Thank you so much, Steve. I'm very happy to be here. Well, so uh, before we get
1: rolling in this, I know that you've got 20 years in HR, IT, and other things. You're a coach. You have some programs to help people. How did you get
2: started in in you know the stress relief business, so to speak? <laughs> it's funny. It's kind of a long story, but I'll shorten it for you. About... Five years ago, a client called me up and said, we want you to do a program about stress, but we don't want the typical mindfulness, meditation, sleep, self-care kind of stress. While all those things are important, so many people are already doing that. We want you to go deep. And I said, are you sure? I can go really deep. So I had done a lot of work on myself and I had already been studying about cognitive behavior therapy, which is basically what I had been doing my whole life, my whole adult life. And so basically I had a book from a friend and I called him up and I said, I love some of the concepts in here. I would like to pay you a royalty. He said, you don't have to do that. I don't own the content. It's owned by the Albert Ellis Institute. Albert Ellis is one of the co-founders of Cognitive Behavior Therapy. So I created this program and I called it Banish Burnout, Move From Stress to Success to help people understand how they normally react to stress and then how to help them change it.
1: Oh, okay. That's, that's okay. So here's, here's the first question. I've been, you know what I've been waiting to um, you call it a stress audit. Okay. Yes. Uh, Why you need one and how to conduct it.
2: Okay. That's perfect. So before you do the stress audit, you have to understand one more piece. So together they make the tool called stop and audit. So the stop part Stands for stop, take a deep breath, observe, and then proceed. What that means is when you're in the midst midst of a stressful situation, somebody rear-ended you, you're in a long line, you can't find something you need in a store, and you're in a hurry and you get upset. Anytime you start to feel upset, it's normal human behavior to react. But the question is, how upset do you have to get And how long do you have to stay there? So what STOP helps you do is to take the reaction out of the fear center of the brain, the amygdala, and bring it to the prefrontal cortex so that you can grab control of your overreacting thoughts and say, do I really want to be this upset over this situation? I mean, there's a long line in Starbucks and the mother at the counter is like, honey, do you want the lemon or the cherry? And you want to tear your hair out. That's that's okay, that's That's kind of, all that kind of stuff happens every single day of the week. Disagreements happen, disagreements at work, disagreement with friends. How upset do you have to get? It doesn't hurt the other person when you're upset, it only hurts you. So the observe part of stop takes you then to the stress audit. In the stress audit, we need to understand how we are already reacting to stress starts with the physiology. When people get upset, things happen physiologically, elevated heart rate, clenching jaw, knots in the stomach. We all have them. One person even told me she gets rashes, headaches, neck aches, all those kinds of things. Sometimes that's the only clue that you're having a reaction because in a meeting, you're not gonna argue, even though you might be upset. If you pay attention to your body, it'll tell you, hey, hey, I'm not happy. And then, as soon as possible after the meeting, work the stress audit, which helps you understand what happened, how you reacted physically, emotionally, verbally. How upset did you get, and what, if any, addictive behavior did you engage in?
1: I think that's wonderful because my thing throughout my whole working career is sometimes you get caught, caught off guard, and somebody something somebody says something to you that you didn't. Um, it, it just hits you in the core, so to speak. And it's part of the emotional baggage stuff. I know that, uh, or I realize that now, but um, you know what, you you, you want to say something, but you don't know the right thing to say because you don't want to overreact. So right. I think it's really great because uh, I've led many organizations before and uh, just taking a big, deep breath. And I saw that as part of the stop. It's just taking that big, deep breath, slowly but surely, and try and think. Because sometimes you're like, I can't think. I don't know what to say.
2: <laughs> right, right. And Rollo May taught that it's really important to stop and pause so that you have time to think before you react. Because you don't want to just be out there reacting. Reacting, we get defensive, we get angry, we start a big fight, things get volatile emotionally, verbally. We want to stop. And if you can't think of something to say, say, I'll get back to you. <laughs> or just, <laughs> just, just pause. Sometimes, I, I recently read something that said... If you need time to think, and it depends on what the other person said, but if it's sort of confrontational, you might say to the other person, would you repeat that? What did you just say to me? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that sometimes that fixes it.
1: Yeah. You know what? In fact, sometimes I don't even hear what they said when it's a bad thing, you know? It's like, yeah. like okay, that, I knew it was bad, but I didn't hear it. <laughs> so no, I, be- I totally get that. Uh, so yeah. here's, here's, you know what, um, that goes into the next thing, which is... Uh, unpacking your emotional baggage. Because I think a lot of, you know what, just reading your book and thinking about the way I've reacted. And I'm not a person that reacts a lot. But when I do, um, it's not really angry or yelling or anything like that. But I can feel it in my body. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why is that occurring? I have no clue. But when I read the part on unpacking your baggage, could you help people understand that?
2: Yes, it is my contention, and I'm sorry I don't have the statistics to back it up, but I've talked to a lot of people in the field about this. It is my contention that a huge majority of Americans have not unpacked their emotional baggage. So what do I mean by that? If you notice somebody at work or at home who's having an extreme reaction to something that's a minor thing, that's a clue that they're still hanging on to something from their usually childhood. It could be from a parent, a teacher, or a peer. Could be something that happened in a prior job. Whatever it is, they're reacting to something from the past. For example, some people are still looking for love from their parents because they didn't get the right kind of upbringing and, and show of love and emotional support from their parents. Parents might be gone already. And the person is still hanging on and still reacting to that hole in their heart. So it's, I believe that we all, and I've done it and I everybody around me has done it to dig deep into the past and either with the help of a therapist or working on your own kind of journaling, that's where you can find out what's going on inside you. Whenever you yourself have a reaction to something that you see is a little extreme it's time to get out your pen and paper. And by the way, research shows that writing with a pen and paper, not typing on a device, although that's better than nothing, but writing with a pen and paper actually has a deeper connection to the brain and gets more out. And then you can say, oh, and then things start writing. Daniel Pink talks about this. Things come out that you didn't even know were bothering you. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that was connected to this.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. And I, I do believe in the writing things down because um, I'm a, a gratitude person. So every morning there's things I'm grateful for. And I, I found that even in the worst times of life, just writing those things down make all the difference in the world. Uh, and I, you know, people keep asking me why I have a a, a, a little journal that I do that with. So and i write a few other things on there as well. Why don't we go ahead and take a quick break right now? And we'll be right back. So stick with us. We have more with Janice pin. We're talking about banishing burnout, going from stress to success. Whether you're in college, whether you're working, whether you're a house mom or a wife or taking care of the kids, you really want to listen to this. You really want to look at this book because it could make a difference. It's already me reading it myself has already made a difference for me. So
0: look, we'll be right back. Just a couple minutes here. Got to pay some bills. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on The Saving With Steve Show.
1: Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving With Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving With Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving With Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon.
0: Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving With Steve Show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton.
1: Back to the Saving with Steve show. I just truly thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you letting your friends, family, and associates know about the show. All the replays are available at www.savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information, insight on Saving with Steve, I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you'll never miss a show. Hey, by the way, check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City, E360 TV, and Las Vegas. That's Las Vegas TV Network. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and live a life of financial and personal freedom. Hey, you can also follow us on Facebook and join the Saving with Steve Sexton Insider Club, savingwithsteve.us, and get all your replays, exclusive gifts, and, and more. So we're back with Janice. Janice is helping us get rid of the burnout, the stress, and the so on. And you know what? I want to first talk about, um, after we got off uh, emotional baggage, um, it's, you say first stop changing your um, first stop changing your behavior by building awareness.
2: Yes, so that was uh, that was impacted by the stress audit and the stop process. Mm-hmm. Those are the first keys. The second keys or the second tool in the toolkit is about looking at your typical reactions. So in general, the typical reactions to stress are overreaction, and overgeneralization. Let me give you an example. If somebody, if you're, like I talked about before, if you're in a long line at Starbucks and the mom at the front of the counter is going, honey, do you want the lemon or the chocolate? And you're in a hurry, you've got to get to work. You start to build up these reactions, like I said before, in your body, your heart is pounding. And you might might even start saying something. Or let's say you're in a store looking for something and you know they have this particular thing, but you can't find it and you're getting irritated because you have to be somewhere and you start to build up these little tapes in your head. Oh my God, I can't believe I can't find this. They told me they had it. They pointed to that corner. I'm in this corner, I can't find it. I can't believe they're so stupid. How could they do that? I hate it when they point. And you start saying all these things and then you start to walk to go find someone to help you and you're running more tapes. I'm gonna let them know how stupid they are. And all of and this is a true story. This happened to me. And I had this little talk to myself after I had been obviously working on myself. And I said to myself, you are going to stop overreacting and you are going to smile at the person at the counter. And you're going to say, how's your day going? And get them to smile. And then you're going to say, would you please help me? I can't find this blue sweater or whatever it is you're looking for. So it's good to know that your overreactions are typical, but The important part is to grab control and interrupt the negative thoughts and then reality spin those thoughts and say, this is not that big a deal. Is anybody in the hospital? Is anybody got suddenly broken legs? No, this situation does not need to be this extreme. Let this go. So it gives you perspective so that you're not always overreacting in life.
1: I also see that a lot with um, text messages and emails where people have no clue about the emotion. And they're like, Oh my God, they said this. And you're like going, really? I didn't read that in there, but, you know, and the other part with that scenario you just talked about, see, that's where you ask somebody for help. And they come right back in front of your face and say, there it is. Yes. (laughs) You
2: know, you brought up a funny story. My, when my son was in high school, he was breaking up with this girl. And I said, you know, You might want to pick up the phone. I don't think texting is the way to break up with somebody. So, you know, now, of course, he's grown out of that thing, thankfully. But um, a lot of people are using text for all kinds of communication rather than I'll see you at six.
1: Yeah, but there's no emotion there. There's no feeling. You can't see somebody's face. You can't do yes. any of that. And It doesn't matter what the message is. It just right. comes off sometimes wrong. And people read into it. And they get the next one. and They read into something else. And then, like you said, it just snowballs and gets bigger and bigger. And pretty soon, somebody sits set with you. And you have no, cl- no idea why. And I right. call it, you know, the, the driver that cuts you off on the road syndrome.
2: <laughs> right. you're like, when you're yelling at the car, nobody can hear you. You're alone in your car. So why are you yelling?
1: <laughs> okay, so um how can um you know what um what is it i'd like to talk about three not the three steps but i'd like to talk about how you can keep things at arm's length a lot of people you know they don't allow they don't enable themselves to keep things at arm's length to protect themselves
2: right i think you're talking about setting healthy boundaries yes okay so it's it's interesting to me and i was like this too i did not know how to say no And I wanted everyone to like me. I was a people pleaser. I was a young adult. And until I learned how to say no, I was always like chasing approval from everyone else but myself. And I finally realized that if I learned to set my own boundaries, that I would be happier. The other person might be upset with me, but that's on them. And I'll never forget one time, a friend called me up on a, I don't know, a week before she was going home to New York and I'm in California. And she said, can you pick me up when I return? I said, sure. What time? She said one o'clock in the morning. I said, on a Sunday night, I said, you know, I have a job and I have to be there by eight o'clock, which means I have to get up by six 30. There's no way I can pick you up at one o'clock and get enough sleep to have a decent day of work. And she started screaming and yelling, you're my friend. I can't believe this. A friend would pick me up. I said, I'm sorry. I can't. I wish I could. I'm so sorry. And she kept yelling and I kept saying, I'm sorry. I wish I could. I can't. And finally she let it go. Now, eventually that friendship fizzled away, but that's not the kind of friends you want that are so demanding and have such unreasonable expectations that you're supposed to feel guilty.
1: Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, you know what? I'm a, I'm a cancer survivor. So all of those went away once that occurred.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I bet so with all the perspective you suddenly had.
1: Oh yeah. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. So, okay. So, um, How can anybody build habits for optimal wellness, performance, and focus? Because stress eliminates focus, productivity, the whole shot.
2: So it's really important to, first of all, set goals for yourself. No matter what they are, it could be workplace goals, health goals, personal habit goals. And it's all one big package. It's not just about setting the goals. It's helping yourself be mentally and physically and emotionally happy. So it might mean sitting down with your boss and saying, let's work on some goals for me. I want to manage my career and get to the next step. What would it take for me to get promoted by such and such a date with such and such possible salary promotion, 4%, 10%, whatever. But it's a matter of being clear with yourself and your family and the people at work that have an impact on your ability to improve through the organization. Sometimes it means asking for a mentor because you might have a boss that's not as emotionally intelligent, not as organized. I really recommend, and this is a separate tool in my toolkit, I believe it's chapter six, find an accountability buddy and or a mentor. And I actually give scripts for how to email them, what to ask, maybe somebody is very busy and they can only give you a month, say, okay, could we meet every Monday at 8 a.m. for 20 minutes I'll have one question each time, and I only need you for four times. When you ask somebody to help you, be very specific and clear what it is you need help with and how much time, because as you know, everybody's really busy these days.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what? I I think that's wonderful, accountability partners. Um, I belong to mastermind groups, and we kind of do the same thing for each other. And I think that's that's just outstanding, because sometimes just being able to talk to somebody for five minutes makes all the difference in the world.
2: You know, it's funny. I, I was asked to write an article this week and it was a tiny bit outside my bailiwick. And I called one of my mentors and I said, I just want to brainstorm out loud. Sometimes I come up with my own answers, but knowing that you have somebody else outside yourself to brainstorm with helps you get. And then they'll say one little thing like, yeah, that's really great. Don't forget that your banished burnout toolkit also addresses boundaries. And so then you throw that in and you've got your answer. Yeah, so that or- and that can be a five minute phone conversation.
1: Either that or I've found that they've asked really good questions and I go, oh, I got it, thanks. Appreciate it, see ya.
2: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I had a wonderful, wonderful boss many years ago, long before we knew what emotional intelligence was, he was emotionally intelligent. And I was a software support rep back in my tech days. And when I had a client that was upset, the first thing we were taught to do was try to acknowledge what was going on and then get them focused on the solution. And then hang up, write it up, and come back to them. And I would go into my boss and I would say, so-and-so's upset. Here's what I recommend. He said, that sounds really good. And don't forget, blah, blah, blah. Maybe blah, blah, blah was the bigger answer. But it made me feel that I had the knowledge and the power to create an answer for my clients.
1: That's wonderful. And you know what? I like the fact that you talk about having people um, connect with their boss and... That way, everybody's on the same page. And we, we've all been in, in, in work environments or other environments where people are just not on the same page. And that just means you're not going to get to where you want to go because people all everybody's not on the same page. But if everybody's on the same page, it's easier to do your part because everybody knows. So that's really cool.
2: And I will just add one more important thing about setting healthy boundaries at work. Needing to say no at work is not really necessarily saying no, but it's about helping your boss help you manage your time. So the boss comes to you with an exciting new project. Oh, guess what? I've got this great new project. And you say, okay, that's great. Do you see these eight large piles on my desk? They might be virtual piles. Mm -hmm. But then you can go on to say, which of these other projects do you want me to stop working on or reschedule or dole out to somebody else? Because I'm yes, I'm very excited about this new project, but we are going to be burning out if we don't offload some of these other projects. So sometimes it's a matter of clarifying responsibilities and timelines.
1: That's wonderful. Hey, Janice, where can people get connected with you? Where can they buy your book? Because I re- totally recommend it. Um, I'm already giving out to other people. So, um, you know, you <laughs> don't mind. No, uh, oh, of course not. <laughs> yeah, we're, I just have about 20 seconds left. I was just wondering if you could share how people can connect with you. To get your support, your coaching, as well as the book,
2: JanisLidfin.com. Pretty simple, and the book page is named "Book." Okay, perfect. Uh, that's awesome. Hey, I want to thank you for
1: joining us today. This has been a lot of fun, and i i, I was, I you can tell, I was really excited to have you here. So, uh, with, with that, I hope you have a great day, and hope, hey, maybe
2: we'll have you in soon. Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate it. It was a really fun interview.
0: You're welcome. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. Again, hey, we'll be right back. So stick with us, we're gonna be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on The Saving With Steve Show.
1: Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving With Steve Show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving With Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving With Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us, that's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon.
0: Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's The Saving With Steve Show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton.
1: Hey, you know what? I want to thank Janice Lifton here. She's an author, she's a coach, she's a stress management expert. And or banish the burnout toolkit. You can go on Amazon. You can go to many different places. Please get in touch with uh, Janice if you need help. Now, next, we're going to be talking about money tips that you could use for your 20s that'll help you get on the right track. When we're in our 20s are full of decisions. Oh my gosh. These are decisions that help you set up for success down the road. Graduated from college, you start your first job and become financially stable. The financial choices you make in your 20s can reap many benefits down the road. So here's some smart money moves to make you get the most out of being an adult. First of all, you want to determine your cash flow. A lot of people think in their 20s think cash flow is just all the money that comes into the house that month. Well, it's not. You know what? First of all, you want to start looking at your cash flow in the context of, hey, how much am I spending it on what for? So we got all our expenses. We got the money coming into the house. Whatever's left over is cash flow. So if you find out you're spending 9000 and but you're only earning 8500 you have a negative cash flow. This budgeting is really, really important because once you understand your cash flow, it gives you a better idea of your wealth. Your ability to invest, how much you can spend on larger purchases, all sorts of things. That way, if you can start doing a budget and watch it on a quarterly basis, you can figure out, hey, how much I'm gonna spend this month, how much I'm gonna be able to save, how much you're gonna put away, how much you're gonna put away for that trip, that emergency fund, the whole shot. Next, purchase insurance. You never know what will happen. And what we call the wild bride alive. Now which makes it incredibly important to invest in insurance, especially in these unpredictable times. You know, for example, income protection insurance. Hey, we just had COVID. If you got COVID and you're out of work for three months and you had the income protection insurance, you would have been able to have three months of compensation just by having an insurance policy. The insurance policy will cover you in case of accident or illness. Having this insurance policy will give you a peace of mind that you'll be financially secure no matter what happens. Next invest whenever you can. Most employers offer some sort of investment opportunity where they match money put into an investment fund. It's called a 401k and the employer might match. This is free money, okay? You're losing out if you're not putting money in. So you want to talk to your employer, find out how much they match, and at least put in that. The more you can put in here, the better, because think about this. The longer you put money in there, the better, because all you're really doing is accumulating assets, because retirement is a long-term accumulation deal. And what I mean by that is this, if the market goes down, great, okay, because you're buying the same thing, but you're now getting it at a discount, so when it goes back up, you're better off. And if it's up there, you're still buying it and accumulating it, so it's making money for you, so it's all about accumulation, so invest And whatever you can, set aside so much money every single month that goes from your paycheck or your checking account into investing and forget about it. Next, develop a debt repayment plan. You don't want to ignore your debt. Ignoring what you owe can be detrimental down the road in the form of lower credit scores, problems finding a mortgage, large interest payments. You could even be prevented from getting a job if you have bad credit. So as soon as you have a secure first job, Make it a point to put a little bit down towards your debts, no matter what it is. The quicker you can pay off the debts, the better off you're going to be, the more financial secure you will be. Now, next, avoid making unnecessary purchases. This is so much easier said than done, but there are plenty of ways you can avoid unnecessary purchases by the way you help you save. For example, don't feel the need to purchase new electronics every time something goes wrong with them. Seek an iPhone repair person. Okay, as opposed to purchasing something brand new. At this option is a cost-effective way to bulk up your wallet and save for emergencies. Next, emergencies is important, so build an emergency fund. Hey, you'll want an emergency fund for extra precaution because you never know what something happens to the house, the car, or whatever the case may be. It's a good rule of thumb. You should have enough money to save three or four months worth of expenses. That means write out all your expenses. Set aside 10% of your paycheck, every paycheck until you have three to six months saved up for. Next, this is really important. Apply for your first credit card. Build up your credit history. It's important to do so as soon as you can. So you apply for a credit card with a low limit. So what you're going to do is slowly but surely you're going to show the financial lender you are trustworthy candidate when it comes to larger purchases and loan requests. So that means you're stable. Next. Become self-sufficient. If you can, stop taking on loans from your parents or loved ones. Become self-sufficient is a great boost of confidence. and It'll help you feel self-assured when it comes to your finances. Bye. And don't rent the last one. This is an important one. You know, I know we all started renting, but quite frankly, you're throwing money into somebody else's pocket because you're paying for somebody else's building. And you know what? You're not going to get any benefit for it when you move out. So consider purchasing a home before you rent something. You'll save a ton of money on the long road. If you can't afford to purchase a home on on your own, there's nothing wrong with living with your folks. Obviously, you don't want to do that too long, but keep these money tips in mind. You'll be on your way to creating a solid monetary foundation for years to come. So you know what? You want to stick with this. We're going to be talking about cancel culture next, you just want to learn how to do it, especially if you're in the workforce. We have Emma Neerman. It's going to be outstanding. So stick with us, we're going to be right back.
0: More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on The Saving With Steve Show.
1: Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving With Steve Show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving With Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving With Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us, that's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon.
0: Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving With Steve Show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton.
1: Hey, I want to welcome you back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. Pretty much everything under the sun relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Our next guest, I've been looking forward to this interview because we've been all seeing this throughout the United States for the last year. There's some stats that says 19% of Gen Z workers have participated in the cancel culture, either by canceling some money or attempting to. And the reality is, quite frankly, anyone can become a target. How can we address these trends in the workplace? How does it affect you? You know what, we have Evan Nierman here, the best-selling author of Crisis Averted. He's the CEO of an international crisis PR firm called Red Banyan. Evan, I wanna thank you for coming onto the show. Um, The information you're gonna share is gonna be enlightening for many, many people. Um, I mean, I know we got over 600,000 listeners here in the United States, but our blogs were like, hey, how do I deal with this? And this is the topic that I have seen the most amount of responses for just by leaking it a couple of weeks back. So thanks for being here. Looking forward to what you have to say and the information you can provide.
3: Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. I'm psyched to uh, get into this. This is not only my livelihood, but also my passion. So let's do it.
1: Quick question. How'd you get started in PR, most importantly, crisis situations?
3: I spent 15 years in Washington, DC, and if there's one thing that people in Washington know quite a bit about, uh, it is crisis management. And so my initial seven years were working in an advocacy organization, working at all aspects of communication and also touching upon crisis management. And then when I left and went into the private sector, I was working in a firm that focused exclusively on high stakes and crisis PR. We were representing foreign governments, celebrities, high-profile CEOs. For me, that was really those initial 10 years in Washington, cutting my teeth on crisis management, crisis PR. And it it took me a couple of years before I started my own firm. But when it was time to launch Red Banyan, I was really drawing upon the skills and the experience that I developed in Washington, DC, and utilizing them for an an ever-expanding audience of clients for whom we think we can be a big help
1: you're totally battle tested.
3: (laughs) I got the scars to prove it. It's not for everybody. It's not a line of work that most people actively pursue or want. It basically means you have to be willing to make yourself available at what's typically the most inconvenient times. So it's pretty much guaranteed if I want to uh, anger my wife by having to abort a family vacation early or fly away to go take a meeting with someone or take a phone call in the midst of a major family event, that's usually when crises break or at the most inconvenient times, unfortunately. But thankfully, after 19 years of marriage and 10 plus years of Red Banyan, she's used to it and very gracious.
1: A crisis Crisis never happens at the opportune time. Let's kind of get into this thinking about the workplace, or even if you're it's your church or your kids' school or whatever, people really have to think critically about what they say. They have to look at the long-term issues with solutions. Like, for example, I was talking to somebody who worked at LPL Advisors, and this wonderful lady was responsible for hiring. She made a response that, you know, was not the most positive when it came to the ethnicity of the person that they wanted to hire. And it's just because that ethnicity did not fit their general client base. And she went out on the internet said that. And the next thing you know, the firm's got a crisis. She got fired. The question is, how should people look at this when they're in the workforce? How should they be looking at what they say? And then we can get into you know when it happens, what do you do? How do you do it? That type of thing.
3: Yeah, well, unfortunately, we are living at probably the most dangerous time for any organization or any business. There has never been this perfect storm of issues that have come to the fore, outrage on the part of a public, people wanting to take a very aggressive activist stance towards organizations, the interconnectedness of social media. Black Lives Matter, cancel culture, the Me Too movement, gender, gender issues, uh, issues of racial inclusivity, diversity or discrimination in this country and political divisiveness. So when you take all of that together and you mix it together in a cauldron, of course, you're going to find a dangerous situation. And that's why it's really hard right now for organizations of all sizes to navigate this, not just large enterprise level, big multi-billion dollar multinationals, but also small and medium enterprises and solopreneurs, because so quickly you can find yourself on the receiving end of public outrage, whether you did something that on second thought and with a closer look, you probably shouldn't have done or shouldn't have said, or out of total, uh, without the intent to offend or to do something that upsets people, you may do or say something that someone misinterprets. And next thing you know, you've, you've got people bang for your blood and literally trying to shut down your business, cancel you, destroy your brand. And even unfortunately for a lot of our clients, they end up facing not just the threat of boycotts of their businesses, but also the very real threat of physical violence against oh. them. It happens, and it happens more often than you think. A lot of times people don't recognize that initiating an attack against someone online can have real devastating real-life consequences.
1: You see the news, but basically news is very selective. Also, the news is a bit of a blood sport because it's really about creating anxiety, anger, fear, doubt, all those type of things. Otherwise, nobody's really going to watch. that, And you get one or two nice stories sprinkled in there. But how does somebody navigate this in the workplace?
3: Well, the first thing that you can do is to be prepared. It's like that age-old Boy Scout motto really applies today. It applied decades ago and it applies today. And what organizations have to recognize is that a crisis, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen, because it is. It's a matter of when is it going to happen. And what a lot of organizations don't think about is they can actually take a very active role in planning ahead and making sure that that when that inevitable Crisis happens. And when they find themselves in an uncomfortable situation or the target of public scrutiny or outrage, if they've already mapped out the contours of a game plan in advance, it can save them valuable time and they will have already thought through a lot of the issues. You know, the time to dig a well is before you're thirsty. The time to put a crisis plan in place is well before you need it so that you can draw upon it at the time when you have it. Because what you don't want to be doing is both mapping your strategy and trying to navigate the crisis simultaneously. It becomes a lot harder to do.
1: Oh yeah. Thinking in a vacuum with pressure doesn't work for many people. Uh, I see that all the time. Yeah. Most Um, people. Let's start talking about some of that mapping of the strategy. So you're the business owner, you're the employee. What should they be doing if they do find themselves as a target, even though they might or might not have a plan in place, what should be like the first step?
3: The first step is making sure that you have a crisis team who's selected and that you've determined who are the principles within the organization that you are designating to handle things until the situation calms down. In most cases, that involves a chief executive or the senior most person at the company, but not always. Sometimes it can be other people in positions of Authority and power. It could be a COO or the chief legal officer or a chief marketing officer. But the key is that you need to have a core group of people. It can't be too big because it's very hard when you've got lots of competing voices uh, to make rapid progress because speed is really of the essence when you're facing a crisis. So, really knowing who's on your crisis team, creating an avenue whereby you, if you get inquiries from the media, what's your press protocol? Do you have a way to make sure that those calls, those emails, even text messages or messages on your social media accounts, how are those getting quickly routed to the person who's going to deal with them and respond to them? A natural next question is, well, who is that person? Who is your press contact? Are you opting to use someone who's within the organization? Or are you engaging, for instance, a crisis PR firm where you're relying upon them to serve as your spokesperson during that time? Those are all key things that need to be ironed out, not in the first few hours, but in the first few minutes, if and when a crisis should break out. The other thing is you need to be instantly designating people to monitor what's being said about your company, about your brand. Because if you don't know what's going on and you're not attuned to what's happening on the internet, what people are saying about you on social media, well, then you don't even know what your message should be necessarily. And you don't know what kind of misinformation you need to counter. So these are all things that need to happen and they need to happen rapid fire when that crisis breaks. And in addition, I would, I don't want to give away everything or overwhelm the listeners with too many steps, but you need to have the right people in the room. Uh, you need to have them assembled, even if it's virtually on a zoom call, et cetera. Uh, Here's a shameless plug. One thing you could do is is to buy the book and actually just use it because I, I give away a lot of information in the book. I want organizations to utilize it and read Crisis Averted, take some notes down about what applies for your unique individual business. And if you, there's actually a whole chapter about building your crisis toolkit. If you use my guidance from the book and you enact some of that and you put pen to paper virtually and you create documents so that you've actually mapped some of this in advance, you're going to be leaps and bounds above an organization that hasn't planned in advance. So those are all things that I would recommend as first steps.
1: Okay. It's just like, you know, somebody runs up to you on the street and tries to hit you in the face. You're not equipped for that. And that's essentially what's happening here. You say something, whether you meant it or inadvertently said it wrong, it's all of a sudden in your face and you don't know how to deal with it. But to have a plan gives you the skills to do that. And that's basically what your book talks about. 100%.
3: 100%. You're absolutely right. You said it so well. Maybe you should write the next book on uh, crisis preparedness because <laughs> you so. get it. <laughs> Steve, you got it. You understand. I don't think so, Evan. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. Workplace scandal. What are things you do do and what are things you don't do? Because a lot of times, people, like you just said, people don't know what's going on and they say something. And the next
3: thing you know, it's a bigger, bigger, bigger snowball that's going to crush them. A couple specific things. One, you got to talk to the team. You need to be transparent in a time of crisis. You need to have the leadership of the organization, get everybody together, help them understand what is happening here and clue them in because in the absence of any information sharing or getting the the message out, well, people are left to wonder, are the accusations true? What's true? What's not true? Well, take away that doubt and give your employees uh, the dignity and the courtesy of looping them in because- what a lot of organizations forget is the team that's there, they can be real ambassadors and they can be amplifiers because they've all got their own networks of people made, with whom they're in touch, their own social media followings, et cetera. And, and it's just important for them to, to be able to, to know what the organization is saying. At the same time, though, paradoxically, what you don't want is everybody in the organization running out and serving as a de facto spokesperson for the organization. Yeah. So what you really want is to create organizational discipline. And it's meant not to stifle or muzzle people, but as a way of ensuring the organization speaks with one voice consistently. And that's really critical in a time of crisis, especially, What you don't want to have are lots of messages flying out there. Lots of people who aren't necessarily adept at speaking with reporters, um, out there serving as a de facto spokesperson, you wanna make sure that, that the organization is speaking with one voice. And it helps if you've already got someone on your team who's in that role, who's a, a spokesperson or a communications professional, or at least that they've undergone some sort of a media training. That's part of also the crisis preparedness pl- uh, plan is to have that person designated so that you've got that or, hey, hey, you've hey, got Evan, the organization gonna, keep, point person.
1: Keep, Evan, keep that thought. We're gonna have to take a break. Yeah. We're gonna be right back with more Saving With Steve. Hey, we got Evan Neerman, Crisis Averted. You wanna get the book, we got more to come. Stick with us, we'll be right back.
0: More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on The Saving With Steve Show. Don't let your financial
1: woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving With Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving With Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving With Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon.
0: welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals it's the saving with steve show now here's your host steve sexton
1: hey i want to truly thank you for tuning in i appreciate you letting your friends and families know about the saving with steve show all the replays are available at savingwithsteve.us if you're enjoying the stories of helpful information inside on saving with steve then i encourage you to subscribe to our youtube channel our Google Play, as well as our Spotify, so you never miss a show. And Check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio in New York City, E360 TV, and Las Vegas TV Network. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to uplift your spirit, live a life of financial and personal freedom. If you'd like to get some more financial tips, you can always go to Saving With Steve on Facebook. We have Emmett Neerman, Crisis Averted, We've been talking about cancel culture, how to deal with it. Evan just went through the do's and don'ts. Here's the next big question, Evan. My understanding is there's a couple of things employees can do to avoid future crisis. We all want to sidestep this thing. We want to go,
3: woo, you know, (laughs) help us sidestep this. So this is super simple. Everyone can do it. And it's not just for employees. It's of the young in age and young at heart. This is the message that I'm gonna be delivering this weekend when I, when I present to 50 young people who are hyper-connected. They're all under the age of 16. And I wanna help them make sure that they don't jeopardize their futures by making mistakes and putting things out there that get captured and live forever on the internet. And so all of your listeners, if you, if you follow these two simple steps you'll be able to avoid the vast majority of incidents that derail a lot of your colleagues and friends. And that is one, when you go to post on social media, share with care, that's step one. Step two, post with purpose. So when I talk about share with care, by that I mean be very cognizant of the fact that people overshare online and they can open themselves up to becoming victims by telling people too much information in real time. So for instance, I'm not sharing with care when I'm posting in real time that I'm with my family in Italy on vacation. Because guess what? That sends the message, I'm out of the country. I'm unreachable. My house is empty. Presumably anyone who wants to find out where I live can Google it, get my address, go to my house and I can come home to an empty home. So that's an extreme example, but it does show you're not sharing with care. You're not being careful or you're, you're including people in, in your pictures or your posts who shouldn't be there with you. We've seen that with, uh, for instance, there was a guy who shared a picture of himself at a sports event. He had a beautiful woman sitting next to him. Well, that woman was not his significant other. It was someone who he we went to the event with. And of course, that image got back to her. And I believe he's single now and has more flexibility and, and can date. So it didn't work out the way that he wanted. The other is post with purpose. And by that, what I mean is, what are you hoping to achieve by putting a post out there on a social platform, by putting it on the internet? What's the purpose of that? If you're posting something and it's gonna make someone else look bad, it's gonna make yourself look bad, you're saying something negative, you're saying something that you wouldn't necessarily want splashed across the front page of a major newspaper, don't post it. It sounds simple, and it is, but it's hard because we have these supercomputers in our pockets at all times. And we're, we've been conditioned, especially the younger generation. You know, my kids are 15 and 12. They've got their phones on them. That's their lifeline to the world. But if you're not sharing with care and posting with purpose, then you're taking a huge risk and you're potentially opening yourself up to damage your future career prospects and your reputation.
1: Oh, I agree with that. I have a son and daughter. They're both at university. One's a graduate and the other one's a senior. But one of the universities where my son goes to, there's been a number of people who have said things on their, I want to say their their Facebook, and they don't go with the flow of the university. And as such, Mm -hmm. these people have been totally singled out, some to the point where professors have They let people slide on certain things. They boot them out of the class, that type of stuff, just because of the things that they've said that go against somebody else's political views and so on and so forth. So I agree, it's very, very, very important to watch that because that that could very much hurt you. You made a statement in one of your blogs and it says how pressing versus telling the truth can help protect your reputation. So could you help us understand that? Because- Correcting reputation is gigantic. I mean, there's firms online that help you protect your
3: reputation nowadays. Absolutely. What I like to talk about is this concept called press the truth, which asserts that the old method of communicating is dead. It has expired. It's not effective anymore. And that used to be, you could afford to sit back, hope that a bad story would hit the news, would go past the news. People wouldn't necessarily see it. It would be in your local newspaper or it would be on TV. And if people were doing other things, well, it just disappeared into the ether. Well, in the age of the internet, that doesn't happen. The story lasts forever and you can always find it. You can't scrub the internet clean. And so you can't afford to wish and hope and pray that your message gets out there or that misinformation gets corrected. You have to take an active role in countering that information. And that's what it means to press the truth. It means not sitting back and let other people define you or set the stage or fill that void with information that's not right. If you let other people tell your story, they're going to tell it in their own way. And they're going to not tell it in the way that you want. And that's why you need to take a vested interest in defending your own reputation, pushing out your information and your viewpoint. And that's why you have to press the truth.
1: And you could see that when you take a look at the news, because they're going to put their slant on it. And like I said, it's about inciting things. And
3: They say if it bleeds, it leads. They want drama. They want controversy in the media. They want salaciousness. That's what gets eyeballs. That's what gets clicks. And they don't care if an organization or a person takes major long-term reputational damage. So that's why you have to be an advocate for yourself. And you got to get in the fight. And you got to defend yourself when you find yourself under attack.
1: The reason why it's a blood sport in the news is because it's all about money. I totally agree with you there because I've seen that where you see small little retractions down the road, but it's already been destroyed. So there's not much you can do about that.
3: You're better off weighing in from the get-go, getting ahead of bad news if you know it's coming or at least inserting yourself because if you try to clean it up after, not going to work. Too little, too late.
1: Evan, awesome advice. I'm so thankful that you're here because... Whether you're retired, whether you're still working, whether you run a small business or a large business, you need to have a PR crisis plan. Um, Hey, you might make sense to contact Evan here. Uh, If people need to get a hold of you because they have a crisis or they want a plan, how do they do that, Evan?
3: You can check out our website, which is redbanyan.com, R-E-D-B-A-N-Y-A-N.com. You can also find us across various social media platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. We put out a lot of information designed to help people and help good people avoid bad circumstances. And you can also send me an email, evan at I read all my email. I respond. So I welcome the opportunity to connect with you and to keep the conversation going.
1: Okay. Last but not least. A lot of people are going to want to get your books crisis averted. So where can they get it?
3: Anywhere they sell books. Go online, go to Barnes and Noble, go to Books a Million, go to Amazon.com. You can get the book there for those people who don't like to read, but they love to listen to audiobooks. Not only is the book available on Audible, but... I read it to you. I'm the narrator. So we can literally uh, continue our conversation. You can hear from me directly.
1: All I got to say is just don't put me to sleep because I'm usually driving, okay?
3: <laughs> no, you're not going to sleep. We tell some real war stories in the, in the book. And I think that, uh, look, the idea is to give people the tips that they need, the tools that they can employ to protect themselves, to press the truth. And that's why I wrote the book. And if the book helps one good person or one organization that's well-meaning, and it helps them, it was worth the effort.
1: Evan, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Appreciate it. Stay safe, stay healthy. And you know what? Uh, Maybe we'll have you next time when there's a big crisis that we could talk about where somebody did something so you could talk about what they need to do. So that would be kind of cool for an interview down the road. I'll come back whenever you call. Appreciate it, Evan. Hey, have a great day. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. That was Emma Neerman. If you're looking to get his book at Crisis Averted, you can go to Audible. You can go to Amazon. If you're looking to get a hold of them, you can go to redbanyan.com if you need that help now. So look, this has been The Saving with Steve Show. I want to thank you all for joining us here. Again, we're about the ins and outs of money. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. Stay safe, stay healthy. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for joining us for The Saving With Steve Show, hosted by Steve Sexton. To learn more about the show and how to become a guest or sponsor, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Join us again next time as we continue to talk about everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. This has been The Saving With Steve Show, hosted by Steve Sexton.